This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 147 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor of this episode, which is Honey Badger. Honey Badger is amazing for tracking errors in all of your Laravel applications. Michael has been using them quite a bit recently, actually, haven't you? Converting all sorts of stuff over to Honey Badger. Yeah, and so. Yes. It's interesting because my previous solution was not sending errors where Honey Badger is now flooding me yeah, or was, was flooding me. I fixed the problem, <laughs> but it was flooding me with errors. So good good job to Honey Badger on picking up stuff that apparently didn't exist with our previous with the solution yeah. I was using previously. So look forward to talking more about that Absolutely. later in the and show. So for today, we've got a couple of releases to talk about. We've got some news. We've got some packages as always. So we're going to jump right in, shall we? Let's do it. Let's okay. Work. Laravel team released 8.50. This was as of July 14th, 8.50. Has the ability to cancel pending notifications, prunable models, common mark version 2 support, and the latest other changes in the 8.x branch. So we have a contribution from Graham Bradley, who contributed the ability to cancel notifications immediately before sending them. So to, 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 I'm sorry, la, la, la. to determine if a notification should be sent, you can now conveniently add custom logic around your notification using the should send method. So in this case, what you might have is you might have a situation where you are queuing these notifications. That would not be uncommon. In fact, I would suggest that that should probably be the default way that you do this is to queue these types of notifications. But it could be that there's something that changes between the time you queue this notification and the time that it's actually going to send that you might want to check right before you send it. So the should send method will be checked right before you send it and it will return a true or a false. If it returns false, it will cancel the notification. If it returns true, it will of course send the notification. There's some good examples in the pull request description uh, for more details on how exactly it works and uh, some ways in which you might want to use that. We've also got Nuno Maduro contributing a way to remove obsolete records by making Laravel models prunable. Now, this was previously available in a package from Titan called Quicksand, I think is what it was. Um, and so you <laughs> had the ability to sort of just clean up deleted at uh, models. So like if you had to delete it at, you could set a uh, time that you would want to retain those for. And then after a certain period of time, it would just go ahead and drop those out of your database. But here's what the description has uh, here. When making models printable, Laravel will automatically remove obsolete model records from the database via a scheduled command. So an example of a printable model from the pull request description is as follows. You have a post mod, uh, a post class that extends model and it uses printable. Or the other option is mass printable. And I'll talk a little bit about the difference there. But then what you have is you have a printable method and then you can uh, provide a query that this will use to determine if something is prunable. So in this case, in the example they have, where created at is less than or equal to a month ago. So if it's a record that's older than a month, don't need to keep it anymore, go ahead and delete those. You could just as easily say this uh, only trashed 
And if you did that, that would provide all the deleted app models that you have, but you can provide any logic that you'd like in that prunable method, and it will use that query uh, then to delete those records. So you couple this with a scheduled task, which is artisan model prune, and then Laravel to automatically detect prunable support and keep the database records tidy for you. You can find information about that in pull request 3788.9 or 37,889. Um, the difference between the prunable and the mass prunable is that prunable, uh, when you run that, it will run the events for the model when it is being deleted. So if you have um, you know, event hooks that are listening for when that post is getting deleted or updated or what have you, um, it would fire those as it's doing that. Now, mass prunable will just take and grab the query. I'm assuming what it probably does is it probably just says, grab all the IDs and then do a delete where in, and it just does one mass huge query. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it does, it does yeah, a, a chunk, does a, chunk. Like a thousand at a time. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of how that works. Just a slightly different uh, way than printable a little bit faster if you're going to be running through a bunch of those. Uh, but that's really helpful. Uh, if you ever happen to and the thing is, like, if you've been doing this for a while, you probably have your own solution rolled in uh, for doing this. We do. Uh, but this is just a nice way that sort of says, yep, this is a convention now. This is how we do it. You don't have to make something up on your own or pull in an additional package. Now you just get it for free with uh, 8.90. There's also CommonMark version 2 support. So Colin O'Dell contributed support for both for both CommonMark version 1 and version 2 with the upcoming coming CommonMark release. Uh, users of Laravel 8.x can either in, uh, can install either major version, either major version of the CommonMark library. There's also uh, Muhammad Syed contributed an opt-in method that you can add to a service provider that will exclude array keys not included in validation rules. Um, so in the service provider, you just call validation colon colon exclude unvalidated array keys. And what this will do is that if you request validates some data, it will uh, automatically exclude any values from that request that were not validated. So previously what you'd do a lot of times is you'd say data equals request validated or validate, and then you'd pass in the values. And I think uh, it would just set the the validated values equal to that data uh, act, um, variable that you'd have, or you could do tap or something fancy like that, right? But I think what this does now is it will automatically say, if you call request validate, and then include some rules that you're going to validate against, would the next time you ask that request for something, it will have excluded or taken out those keys that were not validated. So because this is a potentially breaking change, it's an opt-in feature in Laravel 8. So uh, it's not included, you know, as soon as you install 8.90 or 8.50, it's not just going to apply itself. You have to call that validator, exclude unvalidated array keys, and then that will work uh, that way, which is another great way to basically say, if you want your models to be unguarded, this is something that you might want to consider. So you would say, I'm only ever going to include mm-hmm. values that I'm validating. And then you could feel a little bit better about unguarding your models or just saying guarded equals empty array on your models. Um, hot topic there. Uh, trigger warning. Sorry for all of you out there who, mm-hmm. who have different opinions. Of course, you can see the full release notes and updates in the diff between 49 and 50 on GitHub. Okay, we've also got 51 released, 8.51. Michael, let's hear about that. Correct. First up, we have the ability for uh, tracking exceptions and displaying them in your failed tests. So Taylor Otwell and Jess Archer 
contributed the output of the exception stack trace when an HTTP test returns an unexpected 500 status code. Previously, you'd have to temporarily disable the exception handling to see the stack trace. So if you were running a test and you got, you're expecting a, a 200 or you're expecting a validation error or something like that, um, and and you had some error in your code, you would just get a, a stack trace that had basically you got a 500 when you were expecting a 200. So now, uh, and, and, and in order to see the actual error that occurred, you would have to call this without exception handling. So now by default, you'll see the failed status check along with the exception stack trace. So you don't have to go in there and run, you know, put that change into your test, run the test again, forget to take the without exception handling in, push that up into, into your code base and it's there forever kind of thing. So seeing the stack trace that you don't expect, uh, sorry, seeing the stack traces you didn't expect to see is a nice quality of life improvement when writing tests. So thank you to both Taylor and Jess for, for getting that across the line. I was very happy both with uh, 8.50 with the mass prunable functionality and with this uh, exception stack trace change in the in tests to basically upgrade my Laravel apps straight away just so I could leverage that. I'd, I'd got to rewrite or remove the the pruning stuff that we had in there previously because it was much, much easier to, to do that. And also the stack trace stuff because I have many, many times had to put in the without exception yeah. and rerun the test, scroll up and forever and, and, and see what the actual like was error was. Adam, so, I feel like that was an Adam Wathen add-in at one point. I think when he was trying to figure out how to do testing mm. with like storage and stuff when he came up with that whole storage fake deal, just like there was yeah. all those other fakes and stuff. I think he did this like without exception handling and then pulled the Taylor. He did it as a macro, that, as yeah. a test and macro then got and then it got added yeah. into the framework. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, much better now. Yeah, on the back of that, we've also got the ability to display unexpected validation errors when asserting HTTP statuses. So this one was contributed by Jess Eitra as well. Um, so in addition to displaying the HTTP stack traces for unexpected errors in HTTP tests, we've also got the ability to see the JSON validation errors that occur when asserting a status code other than 422. So if you're expecting a 200 and you get back a 422, not only will you get the stack trace um, telling you that that is what happened. You'll also see the validation errors that occurred. So it will check if it's a validation error and return the That's errors great. that are there. Um, again, this is another one that you've had to go in there and, and uh, you know, get stuck on putting with, without exception handling in there. So this feature is helpful in quickly seeing unexpected validation errors instead of using debugging, debugging tools to see Very them. Nice. So definitely check that out. We also have a contribution from Dan Harron which is a new at class blade directive that allows developers to use conditional classes on any HTML element. So I know uh, I've done this mm-hmm. a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm sure many For people sure. have done this a lot as well, where you've got in your blade views, you've got like class equals, you know, double quotes, and then you put things in there. And then if you want to conditionally display something based on a model parameter or a, a feature flag or something like that, you'd have to break out um, and put in a ternary operator and things like that, you know, if this thing, question mark, show this class, colon, null or empty string or whatever. So this at class directive allows you to pass an array of key value pairs or just keys. If, you know, put all of your always there things as a key, um, a key value if you're wanting to do some conditional. So, uh, for example, at class, uh, start an array, text dash SM as just a key. And then your next item in the array is font dash bold. And then you've got the arrow, the fat arrow, and then dollar active. So if this item is active, then make it bold. Otherwise, just display it as small. 
So if that made absolutely no sense to you, you can see the conditional classes documentation for details on this new directive that is in Laravel 8.51. And you can see the full list of new features and updates in the diff uh, that we will link to in the show notes. That's pretty nice too. I'm curious. I'm sure you can probably integrate this with blade components as well. I know there's some sort of fancy stuff that we do with classes when it comes to blade components. Um, yeah, there's the attribute yeah. bag that you can do this kind of stuff with in components already. So this is just bringing that kind of functionality into your regular blade component, uh, your regular blade components if you're not using the, yeah. the view components. And the this, is, this too mm. feels pretty familiar if you're used to doing, if you're used to using um, view or something like that where you would bind a class and then you would just pass in an object and you'd have the mm-hmm. class names as like the key and then colon and then the boolean that you'd have when we want you know when you want to check for if you want to apply those classes or not so yeah it feels very familiar uh, but great great addition here nice job dan thank you for that it's awesome okay moving on to news we've got the state of laravel survey so tobias petri um is starting an annual State of Laravel survey initiative around trends in the Laravel framework and the surrounding eco- ecosystem. So basically, um, he's got a, what is that? I'm trying to remember what the name of the survey, that one survey maker thing is. It's really good. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, where it's hosted, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I would say it's a quick survey, but it's not super quick. It's about four to five minutes about that. I took it the other day. Um so it, it, it spans questions ranging from things like developer experience to your preferred language and tools to how many years you've been using Laravel to the size of your team to all the all that sorts of stuff. Which editor you're using, tabs versus spaces, just kidding. The survey, uh, like I said, only takes about three to five minutes. So we'll put in the show notes the link there. And I don't think the results are out yet. I don't think so. In fact, I'm quite sure it's not. Um but hopefully in the next little while, there should be uh, some results there. In addition to that, PHP Storm actually also had a survey out recently as well. Uh, and I went through that one too. I know there are some results that people have been tweeting about over the last week um, regarding things like pest PHP having gained some ground in the testing world. Um, and so some excitement around that. So that was pretty cool for all those who are contributors to pest and who love to use pest. Uh, congrats to them. Uh, but yeah, lots of good information out there for people who are interested in looking at these sort of trends. So there you go. Be sure to take that one. Next up, we have a look at what is coming in Laravel 9, which will be the next LTS release of Laravel and will be coming out sometime in early 2022. Uh, we spoke about this. I think January is the target at this stage. So in this uh, this article, we just want to outline some of the new features that have been announced so far. We We did touch on last year the release date changes so allowing for the symphony releases to come out symphony being uh, a set of components that laravel uses under the hood for some of its routing and and things like that so they release in uh september i think or november of the year so that gives the laravel team a couple of months to sort of make sure they get the integration testing done and any new features that rely on that so yeah january 2022 is when we'll see laravel 9 2023 January 2023 we'll see Laravel 10 and January 2024 at this stage we'll see Laravel 11 so one major release a year the most uh, the, the the headline item we've got here is that for Laravel 9 because the Symphony 6 version 6 components that it is built on top of will require PHP 8 that means that Laravel 9 will also require at least PHP 8 so if you haven't upgraded yet um, it's is fairly it's a fairly modest 
migration from PHP 7 to, to PHP 8. So definitely check that out. That's something that you're going to have to keep in mind for the release that's coming in six months or so. Earlier this year in Laravel 8.37, we had a new feature called Anonymous Migrations that prevents migration class naming collisions by returning anonymous classes from your migration files. This is an optional change at in, uh, in Laravel 8 as we speak. When Laravel 9 launches in January, this will be the default. So whenever you run PHP Artisan make migration, you'll get a anonymous class as your migration file content. So that's something to be mindful of coming forward if you haven't jumped on board the anonymous class migration train. Um, we've also got a new query builder interface. So for uh, this one was contributed by Chris Morell, which was a, a very, very thorough uh, pull request, if I recall. Um, I did have a, have a look at this one, and it was, it was quite a lot of detail going into why the change was happening, the overview of changes, some of the implementation decisions he made. So well done to him. But this is basically for developers who rely on type hints for static analysis, for refactoring, or code completion in the ID, the lack of a shared interface or any inheritance between the query builder, the eloquent builder, and the eloquent relation classes can be pretty tricky. So this feature will add a new Illuminate Contracts Database Query Builder interface and an Illuminate Database Eloquent Concerns Decorates Query Builder trait that implements the interface in place of the existing magic call method implementation. So this is just to streamline the, the three classes into um, a, a consistent interface to make sure that everything can be called uh, correctly. It does, uh, as I said, aid in uh, code completion in your IDEs, in, in refactoring and static analysis tools, just to give you that the consistency there. So thanks to Chris for that one. That's going to be helpful to a whole lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, next up, since PHP 8 will be the minimum version, we had a pull request from Tom Schlick to move uh, use of existing, uh, sorry, to move using the string contains, string starts with, and string ends with functions internally inside the Illuminate support string class. So just to streamline that using the the tools that are available in the language that will, by all for all intents and purposes, be quicker, um, and leveraging language functionality is is always best when when it's available. So. Thanks to all the contributors for that stuff. I'm sure in the next six months we'll see a whole lot more. I know that um, Taylor and the Laravel team are always looking for ways to improve on the framework and, and you know, fixing those little paper cuts and things like that. So definitely uh, now is the time, I would say, if you've got some ideas to, to start voicing them to, to, you know, have those conversations and try and get some new stuff pulled into the yep, framework. For sure. Good on you, Tom. Tom Schlick. Yeah, I... Um... Notice that PHP 8 was the minimum version. I've been dragging my feet a little bit on getting updated to PHP 8 on our applications just because it's like one of those things that you just have to go through and make sure everything's good as far as all your packages and whatever. And so I actually wrote something up the other day on um, ways to check to make sure that all of your packages are compatible with a version of Laravel, which um, Laravel Shift makes really easy. They have a thing called Can I Upgrade Yet or Can I Update Yet? I think it's what it's called. So if you go to Laravel Shift and something like that, uh, I don't have. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but you can paste in your composer.json mm -hmm. and then it'll look at all of the packages that you're using and it'll tell you if they're compatible with the version of PHP that's coming up or the version. I'm sorry, the version of Laravel that's coming up. It can be a little bit mm -hmm. trickier to determine if the packages that you're using are going to be compatible with a version of PHP. However, since uh, Laravel 9 is going to require PHP 8, it won't be quite as tricky because you'll just be able to check that. 
if before uh if you're looking to upgrade before uh you know you're gonna need to laravel 8 though um, there's a way with composer version 2 now that you can uh basically tell it in the config that you're using platform php version 8 so it won't look at your local version that you have installed it just says assume that the version that you have installed is 8 and then check to see that you can resolve an installable set of packages. And so it works pretty mm-hmm. well to be able to determine, um, you know, if there's anything that's going to be holding you up. Uh, but for the most part, everything that I checked across most of ours is all compatible with eight. So it uh, shouldn't be too big of a problem. All right, let's move on here. We've got the Laravel docs now supporting dark modes. This is pretty cool. Um, Akash Palai, which I've noticed this actually as I've gone to the Laravel docs, I have everything set to default on like dark mode on my on my machines. And so I went the other day and I was like, oh, there's a dark mode now. But he pull requested um, a color scheme that is now applied to the Laravel documentation uh, for dark mode. So in the upper right, you now have a toggle where you can force the docs to either light or dark or just use your computer settings uh, where it changes dynamically. So if it's daytime, it shows you know light mode. If it's nighttime, it shows dark mode. Uh, or you can or you can force it. Uh, so if you're up, you know, at one a.m. and you're coding and you have somebody sleeping in the same room as you or something like that, and you don't want to blast your eyes or blast them when it's <laughs> you know you're on a thirty-two inch monitor and it's like one a.m. and you're trying to code and you hit up the Laravel docs. Now you have dark mode. We'll uh, save you, <laughs> save you and your partner some some sleep for sure. All right, there we go for that. Uh, let's talk about Honey Badger, shall we? Let us talk about Honey Badger. And let's face it, your code is going to have errors, even code written by amazing developers such as all of our listeners. And when errors happen, and when errors do happen, it's nice to know that Honey Badger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single, easy-to-use platform. Honey Badger will send you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. So be sure to check out Honey Badger at honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh and Ben created a 100% bootstrap monitoring solution. And this is important because self-funding means their only answer to you, to me, to Jake, all of us developers rather than a venture capital overlord. So thanks to Honey Badger at honeybadger.io for sponsoring Laravel awesome. Thanks, News. Honey Badger. Appreciate that. Hey, we've got some packages to talk about here. This first one is pretty cool. This is called the Laravel Pros Linter. So um, not Tailwind Pros, although if you have not heard of that yet with their typography, like Tailwind plugin, you should definitely check that out. Um, what that is, essentially, this is totally a rabbit trail, but if you've ever just needed default styles from a, like a blog post or something, like I need a default setting for like heading one, heading two, heading three, heading four, heading five, paragraph, line breaks, whatever. If you need that, that's um, Tailwind, their typography. I think it's typography um, plugin. And then Pros is one of their classes you can apply. This is not that. So unless you're, you know, I just want to make sure you're sufficiently confused, first of all, before we talk about this. But Laravel Pros Linter <laughs> is a package that provides syntax-aware proofreading for your Laravel application. So here's sort of the elevator pitch for it that was uh, given in the package. Laravel Pros Linter helps you to polish the texts of your Laravel application. Let it check your translations and even your blade templates for typos, slang, and get suggestions for better writing style depending on which prose style you choose. So think of this like um, Grammarly, if you will, for your 
code uh, for your actual pieces of text. So behind the scenes, what it's doing is it's using a Golang library called Veil. And Veil is a command line tool that brings code like linting, but to your text, to your prose is what we'll call it from here moving forward. Uh, so Veil is, you could use it by itself. You don't have to use it with prose linter, but prose linter leverages it in the background to give you a clean CLI tool to check your Laravel translations and blade templates for prose linting. So they have a couple of different commands that you can access via the command line, PHP artisan lint blade, which will lint your blade templates, of course. PHP artisan lint colon blade and then a actual template like auth.login and that will link a single blade template. You can um, PHP artisan lint colon translation, which will link uh, all your translations. Or you can just like with the other one, you can link a specific translation like PHP artisan lint colon translation auth validation. And it will go through and, and check all those for you. Uh, also comes with customizable style configurations. So there's different styles that you can have saying like, I'm okay with some slang. Um, I'm okay with a little bit less. I'm looking at a more formal sort of style. And so you can actually customize which styles this linter will use behind the scenes to lint your prose. So you can check out all the documentation uh, on Veil, the Veil styles documentation for details on the configuration styles that work with Veil. Um, and then to get started, you can check out the official documentation for installation and usage instruction for the Laravel prose linter. Very cool. Very, very cool stuff. Mm, yeah, thanks to, uh, I think, Diana and our friends at Beyond Code for putting that package together. Definitely something I would like to investigate for some documentation that I have written. It'd be nice to give that a little Absolutely. brush over. Next up, we have Orbit, which is a flat file database driver for Eloquent written by Ryan Chandler. You can think of this as a general purpose flat file CMS for any of your applications and can be added to any Laravel model class and allows you to store data in flat files on disk. Uh, an example from the readme of defining a model is to simply use the orbital trait in your uh, model definition and then define a schema using a static function in that model to figure out, uh, to basically define what that is for your application. The orbit is a simple to use package that can add flat file support to any model class and allows you to store data. I'm reading this again. What is this? Uh... Getting started is very straightforward. Given the model with a, uh, it's a post model with a title, a slug as strings and a publish that timestamp, the flat file in your project will just look like uh, a YAML document. So you've got a markdown file with some YAML front matter. So if it's a key value strings at the top of your file within a, a three hyphen fenced block. So title, hello world, slug, hello dash world. Then you put your publish that, updated at, created at um, in there. Uh, and ID. So this is all, I believe, generated by the package itself. Uh, so this is an example of using the Markdown driver, but Orbit also supports uh, JSON, YAML, and Markdown JSON, which is uh, something to behold, I'm sure. You are free to define custom drivers using the given interface contained in the Orbit package. You can learn more about this package and get full installation instructions and see the source code on GitHub. Ryan has recently started a 60-second Laravel series on YouTube to teach you about things in Laravel as well. So just as an aside, you can check out his little 60-second videos here. We have included one in the show notes. Um, I did a really bad job, as always, of explaining <laughs> this package in code. It does look very interesting. If, uh, you know, if you're putting together a blog and you don't want to sort of put a, you know, the whole database in there and you don't want to use Nova and, and things like that for your, like me, once or twice a year blog posting, 
so just a nice little flat file system that you can easily cache and, and then serve up to your viewers readers is uh, is nice so thank you ryan for that let's uh, move on before yeah i was gonna say one other thing that's interesting about this is um you can version control your blog posts so the sort of alternate to this is something like where you'd like jigsaw where you'd build out your application and then i suppose you would generate the the production version of it right uh, now, I guess in Jigsaw, maybe that's a terrible comparison because in Jigsaw, you actually do it in flat files anyway, but then it runs through your flat files. Uh, mm. But essentially, yeah, this is a way where you can just, um, your production files live as these flat files and then uh, Laravel can read them in just like it would read any other model. Uh, so you can think of it as like, you know, it's a flat file database driver, essentially. Um, yeah. And then, of yeah. course, uh, I just added to the worstness, the badness. And uh, anyway, there's a there's a quick video that Ryan has out there uh, that's uh, a 60 second little run through on how you how you can uh, how you can use this package. So pretty cool. If you want to check that out. Oh no, I made the mistake as well. That that video is not about the package. It's just, it's we just we just sharing the love on oh, the 60 nice. second videos. I wonder if he has one out there. He should have. Yeah, it. I he fell into that, that trap too. I bet you he does. Come on, there's got to be something out there for sure, right? The one that's linked in the show notes is not the one, <laughs> but. We'll see. We will see. Nice job, Ryan. Way to go. Okay. We have got a blade component to render Markdown in Laravel. So Laravel Markdown is a highly configurable Markdown render, uh, renderer and a blade component for Laravel by the folks at none other than where? Where is it, Michael? Where? Who writes everything? It's, a, no. it's them. It's them. Spassy. It's them. They're here. They're back. They're back. Yep. They're back again. So they've got a newly released Laravel Markdown package that will allow you to take whatever's in your code snippets or your database or wherever it's going to be, right? And all you have to do to utilize it is in your Blade component, just put uh, bracket x dash Markdown bracket, and then put your Markdown in there. And then at the end, you just close that tag out. And there you go. It converts it for you. And it will actually also handle uh, code fences and things like that. So triple backtick PHP. And then you can put all your PHP code in there and then triple backtick again. And it will handle um, uh, your syntax highlighting using uh, Shiki uh, via Shiki PHP. Is it Shiki? Shiki. And I think that's Aaron, isn't it? That guy, that's Shiki. That guy. No, Shiki, Shiki is the VS Code li- or the library that VS Code uses for its syntax highlighting. Gotcha. Yep, you're right. You are, in fact, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's highly configurable. It has some interesting configuration options, including things like automatically adding anchor links to headers, toggling code highlighting, and configuring the theme used for syntax highlighting. So you can check out the markdown.php configuration file for further details on the config options. And you can find more about this package and get full installation instructions uh, on GitHub. Check that out. All right. What else we got, my friend? Two more. Two more left. You'll be shocked. Two more. And both of these are no, from Sparsi. The first one, dispatch Laravel jobs via Artisan using the Laravel Artisan dispatchable package, which allows you to register queue jobs as Artisan commands. The Laravel, the Laravel scheduler can schedule queue jobs that do not block the scheduler, but this approach has one downside. You have to choose between using an artisan command and blocking the scheduler on the one hand and a job not blocking the scheduler on the other hand. 
Using this package, you don't have to make that choice anymore. When letting your job implement Sparsity's Artisan Dispatchable, you will not block the scheduler and can still execute your logic via Artisan. The way this package works is to implement a package's implement the package's Artisan Dispatchable interface and your job is available as an Artisan command automatically. The neat part about this package is that it comes with conventions that follow your job to be able to be available to Artisan without any more work and uses kebab casing of the class name. So if you were to run a PHP, uh, sorry, if you were to have a job class called Process Podcast uh, that that implements the Artisan Dispatchable interface, you can then access that command or that job via PHP Artisan Process Dash Podcast or Process Dash Podcast Dash Dash Queued, and you can even pass parameters to it directly, um, passing models, uh, passing values as constructor arguments. While the package is heavily conventional in terms of command names, the package does allow you to override both the command name and the description. So this is very handy. Um, you know, sometimes you want to schedule your jobs rather than having to go in there and, and adding it into your console kernel. You can just uh, call, you know, you just schedule the command directly with cron or something like that um, or run it directly from the command line if you need to do something manually. But uh, you can learn more about this package to get full installation instructions and view source code. We'll have links in the show notes. Also, be sure to check out the announcement post by Freik, uh, who he does a very good job of writing up all of these things. I don't know where he finds the time, not not only to like write the packages, but also to then document it, but then to write, put videos out about it and and all of the other stuff that that he and, and his team at Sparsi do for you know us and, and the wider indeed, Laravel indeed. community. Actually, when reading through this one earlier, I was confused because he says you have the option of using an artisan command, artisan command and blocking the scheduler or using a job and not blocking the scheduler. And I was kind of like, well, can't you just use run in background? But that's not what he's talking about because what they're talking about specifically here is you being able to dispatch something straight from the command line. So like if you are logged into the production server or something and need mm. to call a job that you want to run, there is no way for you to say on that run in background. You can't do that. You can only do that if you're running it through the scheduler, um, the you know the console slash kernel.php. So with this, all you do is you take your job that you would normally run however else you'd need to run it. But on occasion, there are, there are times where you need to be able to run it manually, right? You want to be able to invoke this job manually. Now all you have to do is add that artisan dispatchable, implements artisan dispatchable, and then you now have the PHP artisan and then a snake case. I guess it's not snake case, but it's kebab cased version of your your class name that's available through the mm-hmm. command or through the artisan console. And then dash dash queued pushes it onto the queue. Uh, that was the confusion I, I had when I first read this. Um, so hopefully if any of you had that same thought, that's that's why they say that. Um, so yes. Moving on. Beautiful. Laravel stats. So this allows you to track application stats and their changes over time. So the package is really simple to use uh, and to get started with. And they have some explanation about which ways there are to do that. So they can say you could either go like full event sourcing or you can, uh, you know, issue something every time that you want to implement. So you have to, you can either like snapshot your stats right at the end of every day and do something like that and say like, okay, this is good as the end of the day, Mm -hmm. or you can do full event sourcing. But they said the problem with full event sourcing is it's hard to implement that into an existing code base. You kind of have to start with that in mind. So this sort of blends the two of them. And so what you do is you have a new class. And so I'll just use an example to explain it. 
Um, so you extend the package's base stats class. So for example, if you wanted to have something where you kept track of subscriptions, you'd have a subscription stats class and it extends the base stats class. And then whenever you want to track a statistic, you can increase or decrease the statistic by calling that class subscription stats colon colon increase or subscription stats colon colon decrease. Or you can set it directly by calling colon colon set and then passing a count. So then once you've collected the stats, you can query the statistics with the package using the provided stats query API. So you could say subscription stats colon colon query, and then you can pass in a start time and end time. You can group by week, you can group by day, group by whatever, and then just call get, and it will give you a nice JSON output of those statistics. So it'll say something like start, uh, you know, the JSON feed will give you an array of results, uh, like of objects where it'll say, we're starting on this date, ending on this date, here's the value, here was the increments, here was the decrements, and here was the difference. And then it kind of lists those all out for you. Um, So what it ends up doing is it ends up recording each of these increment or decrement or set values as an event um, in a database uh, column, right? Or in a database record. So um, that's why I said it sort of blends the two ideas. Uh, it it keeps each of those as an event so that Mm -hmm. you can get really granular statistics over time. Or you can get like snapshot statistics in the future later based on whatever your query is going to be. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really yeah. intelligent way to do that. So if you've wrestled with this yourself uh, and you want a little bit easier way to do this, this is a great package for doing so. Really good stuff there. Okay, folks. Well, that wraps it up for today's show. This was episode 147. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 147. Thanks again to our sponsor, Honey Badger. If you have not checked them out, please do so by going to honeybadger.com. I don't think we have a special code, do we? Dot I, 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 I. Do have a special code. Darn it. Come on, Honey Badger. No. And then, uh, of course, if you liked the show, please feel free to rate us up on your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be much appreciated. Reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News. We always love hearing from you. Thanks so much, everybody, for your contributions, for all the amazing things you all do in this community. We are so glad to be a small part of bringing the news to you. Until next week, my friends. Actually, two weeks. Until two weeks from now, my friends. Enjoy those Olympics and good luck to your countries. Hey, by the way, I saw Australia beat... um, Oh, what was it? Nigeria. There was... Oh, oh, no, no, no. It was the women's... I think it was the women's... um, 400 meter relay swim race they set a world record Dude, yeah that was pretty awesome. good at swimming i mean you how else are you supposed to get across to all the other continents right you gotta swim yeah but that was yeah can't fly that was pretty incredible like it wasn't even even it wasn't like super close either they pretty much smashed it the world record it was incredible to watch everybody else wasn't even close so congrats go australia mm. it's pretty awesome also uh one Love last it. thing sorry france beat the u.s in basketball Holy crap. It's the first time that the U.S. has lost was, a game, an Olympic game since 2004. I couldn't 2004. believe it. I was like, my jaw was on the floor. We were watching, me and my son were watching it. We were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on. And then like, if you watch mm-hmm. the end of the game, there was like three bricked threes in a row. Like three-pointer, brick, rebound, mm-hmm. three-pointer, brick, rebound, three-pointer, mm-hmm. brick. Like it was terrible. I couldn't believe it. So bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was talking about this with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and yeah, I think the consensus now at at the world level is that the other countries are not scared of the right. US. Like, like you know, the, the US used to be intimidating. They used to use their size and strength and athleticism to sort of get in and 
and pound the paint and things like that. Whereas the rest of the world was always, it was more a refined game. It was always more about moving the ball, about taking, you know, good shots, getting good open looks and things like that. And so the, the, the NBA, they've kind of, they've gone that way now. You know, there's a lot of three-point shooting and, and things like that. And so the rest of the world is kind of used to it. But the rest of the world also has that kind of dog mentality around the defensive side. It's a lot, the, the FIBA rules that are used in the, in the Olympics are a lot more physical. Um, there's a lot less foul calling. You get, a, get away with a bit more stuff. Um, it kind of disadvantages the U.S. Now, they've always got away with you know, their skill and, and, as I said, their size and strength and athleticism in the past. But I think um, this year they may get taken down a peg. Um, I mean – it's quite possible. Yeah, it is. Gold it's metal. possible. You know, it but just it takes a, a while it was to click. Like, yeah, it was quite a. I was sort of amazed. Like I couldn't believe it. But like, it was the first time they. It's the first time they've lost in in you know yeah. four Olympics yeah. kind of thing. So, um, for sure, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I'm just excited for our boomers because I think this year is the year that we finally like we have never won a medal, and I think this is the year that that we've got the squad, we've got the talent, especially with so many of our players right. playing in the NBA now and getting to play with some of the best in the world. That you know, I think this is the year we win a medal. Yeah. And then, I mean, sure. honestly, there's so many people that like, if they don't make the NBA now that go overseas and play, there's such a huge, like international mm. basketball yeah. community. Like it's, it's played right Playing in Europe. Correct. Like people are start, yeah. Amer- you know, um, uh, LaMelo ball when, you know, he came and played in the NBL for a year and he just went to a whole other level with his game, just playing here and absolutely dominating our league. And unfortunately he was injured this year, but, He's just a hell of a player. Like he's Lonzo was good, but Lamelo is like another level. And and you know Leangelo, the the younger of the three, he's going to be even better kind of thing. So, um, Simon Simon Brashliotis, yeah, that, that works over Howard. He's, he's just excited. He's excited to see all three of them play for yeah. the Hornets one day. That's cool. So we'll see what That's happens. cool. So I mean, I would certainly be disappointed if USA didn't win, but uh, you know, it's cool to see that there's like some really good competition out there. So. Fun stuff. Mm. All right, my friend. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Go bonus.